0: Uh, those of you who are here for the baptisms. Um, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, I hope that you. This is a, a week where we talk about the goal that we believe God has set for this church for, through now and through uh, through the end of June. But I don't think that you'll hear anything that you go, nah. I mean, I don't think it's specific to this church. It just seems to be that what God is focusing in on. This is this is the this is the Sunday where we get to talk about what we've been leading up to since. February of of earlier this year. Uh, The consistory and the uh, ministry staff... Uh, after months of, of, of planning to do this retreat, had a retreat last year in February or earlier this year in February and seeking what God what we believe God wants us to do over the next five to seven years and so you'll hear these terms over the next couple of years one four, one four uh, what's the big thing that God wants from us in the next five to seven years, what are the four major steps that we need to do to get there what do we think that God wants us to do in the next year and what four things might we need to do to get there and what we've been doing since June is those four things to talk about what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to give you a challenge today, and the number 500 may seem a little big, but if when, when you hear what this really is and you understand, uh, you could just say, well, we'll just hand that off to Pastor Greg. He'll have this done in a week. Okay, we're going to be talking about hospitality, about being a neighbor to others. We're going to use a passage that you're very familiar with. There be very, very few people here that have never heard at least the term Good Samaritan. We're going to read this passage, but I want to, before we offer prayer, I want to ask you to, to do a couple of things. One, um, we, if, if you've grown up in the church or if you've ever watched a sermon on a TV show, I don't mean a, a church TV show, I mean a TV show when they, the, the person is ending up a sermon because everyone's in church, it's almost always ending with the Good Samaritan and go and do likewise, that kind of thing. So we have these preconceived ideas in our head. And we're not going to be talking a lot about the motives of the priest and the Levite or the Samaritan, but I want you to watch, please, the questions that the man asks at the beginning of the parable and how Jesus flips that upside down on him at the end of the parable. So we'll, we'll read through the whole thing and I'll make some comments along the way, but, but really this man is coming to ask a question, not the question of how must I inherit eternal life, but, but the next one he asks, the, the one that, that, that's kind of the zinger, the one that Jesus brings the parable uh, Jesus the reason for Jesus telling the parable the thing one of the keys to parables is there 's often questions involved, and Jesus almost always takes the understood answer and tweaks it or flips it so let me offer prayer then we 'll get to this i 'll give you a couple of examples just from the last week or two of, of what the kind of thing we 're looking for uh and then we'll we 'll throw the challenge at you let 's pray Lord. Thank you for this parable, first of all, that, that, that you, as the living word of God, chose to speak to your people. Thank you that it's not an easy thing to hear, but it's a good thing to know. Lord, I ask that you give us all eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and to hear, and that you soften our hearts so we can receive the truth that you want us to receive. Lord, this is not my message for them, it's your message for us. So, I'm looking for your words, your demeanor, your cadence, your love to come through loud and clear. And if there's something I plan to say that you don't want me to say, I don't want to say it. But if there's something you want said that I haven't thought of, make it burn within me so I know it's from you, and I will speak your word to your people today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the passage starts like this, and I love it um, because there's a lot of pastors in the room, and we all know seminary professors. And I'm not coming down on them. I'm just saying that their job is to teach the doctrine, even depending on what kind of denomination you're in, the dogma, the tradition, the teachings of the church, and then to test and see if people, the students, understand and know and are called by God to do. So here's an expert in the law. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I'm going to comment on this. I do it every time we we run across this phrase. I find it ironic that he would ask, it's paradoxical that he would ask, What must I do? To inherit because an, an, an inheritance by nature is something that someone else has done, money that someone else has earned, money that someone else has invested, a house that someone else has paid off, property that someone else has purchased, and then upon their death, because you were born into that family or you're a long-lost nephew, or sometimes it's just because you've been a dear friend, because if someone else at someone else's expense, you receive. So what must I do to get someone else's expense received to me? That's just a weird question. And the other thing about it is the word inherit, if you boil it right down here, is what must I do to complete eternal life? That's kind of an arrogant question, but it's a question that all of us ask at one time or another. What must I do to be saved? What is it? I'm a good person. Is God going to punish me for that? Our culture is full of people saying, I got this. This man kind of comes with the attitude that I got this. And Jesus' response to it is, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as self. That, that's from Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus. You'll know this if you're familiar with Jesus. He, these are the two greatest commandments so love the Lord your God with everything you have, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, You've answered correctly. Now, do this and you will live. And just so you know, the, the tweak on the Greek here is there's a tense that we have in Greek that we don't have in English. He says this to the man, if you were hearing it in Aramaic, it gets translated to Greek. Be in the present and ongoing state of having been doing this and you will live. It's kind of like when we say he is risen. He is risen. He's in the present and ongoing state of having been risen. It's not going to stop. It's a one-time event, but it will continue. Jesus is risen. It's not just that he was risen. risen. So Jesus saying, this needs to be your life, and you will live. Love the Lord your God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this says here that the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And just, you might not know this, but, but the Jewish tradition, these, these scholarly people, and they do love knowledge. I mean, this man, this teacher of the law, has expert in the law, has probably memorized what we call the Old Testament. And on top of that, a bunch of other rules, regulations, and thoughts of the rabbinic tradition. Um, so this is a scholarly man. And they had worked out pretty well, which we all kind of do in our own little way. They'd worked out pretty well a way of making this command of God to love your neighbor as yourself, to only be to other people that love the same god you do practice the same way you do and 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 if you're jewish you're my neighbor if you're not you're not in fact they had words for people like you and me non-jewish people there might be a few people with the davidic blood in 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 their, running through their veins but most of us are just what they call goyim goyim non-jews but it's it's jackal or junkyard dog type of stuff. Remember when Jesus, uh, when, the, when Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman, you wouldn't ask someone to take the, ta- take the bread from their children and give it to the dogs. That's the idea, of this goyim. And the people worse than the goyim are the Samaritans, just so you know. So these Jewish people have figured out how to be faithful to God, but only in a context within which they were comfortable. How do I treat other people like me well? And therefore, they had excused themselves from treating people that aren't like them well. And Jesus in response, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus' response was a parable. And he said, Jesus replied and said... A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about 14 miles. I've been on the road. Uh, I didn't hike the whole 14. It's 14 to 17 miles. Uh, but there's a monastery there when I was there in 1998 that we were going to see. So it's, it's, a, it's a little, if you're afraid of heights, you don't want to be on this road. And there's lots of caves and cracks in the walls. And, and it was known as a pl- very dangerous place to travel alone. If you travel alone, someone might come out and jump you someone might come out and, and rob you, beat you, throw you off a cliff. Um, and you've seen, it. I think back to the movie, The Book of Eli, uh, there, there's a spot where they have this woman, she's out, uh, out in this deserted place and it looks like she's been beat up. And it's a trap. It's a trap so that when the, the main character comes by, um, he wants to help. And when he goes to help, they jump him. that was something known to happen on the road to Jericho so when you when you hear this and you hear about the priest and the, and the Levite, and not, they don 't help, I just want you to know that that they could have been thinking now it 's just a parable it didn't actually happen, uh, but it is there's truth in the story and, and it's, it it 's understandable why someone might not want to risk to help someone because it could be a trap and it, it goes like this: they strip uh, a man was going down from. Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite. Those are people who support the priesthood. So to a Levite, when, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. Now, in every Jewish person that's hearing this story for the very first time, this would be like me saying, and a terrorist came down the road because the expectation of these people when they heard it, and the, I don't have words to explain how repulsive this would have been to them the way Jesus turned it on them. But it's, it's, they would expect that he would say, and a Samaritan came by, and when he saw the man, he kicked him in the gut, he beat his head, in, he took the rest of his clothes and he threw him off the cliff. That's their expectation because Samaritans Are worse than Goyim. And Jesus. I love this. So too the Levite. Okay. And then the Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was. And when he saw him he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus looks at the expert in the law and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law could not bring himself to say the Samaritan. He says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and be in the state of always doing likewise. Now, it's a great story. And it's one that you will see in themes in movies over and over and over again. Christians know this passage pretty well. But I want you to see what Jesus did, not just just in turning the Samaritan into the hero, which would never happen with a rabbi in Jewish tradition. But I want you to see the the question the man asked to justify himself was, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, it's a wrong question. At the end, he says, who was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, the one who had mercy on him? So who's my neighbor? And Jesus goes, that's the wrong question. Who are you going to be a neighbor to? Not who must I serve, but you should be looking at and serving anyone, everyone. And it's a phenomenal thing if you think about it, that Jesus is saying once again that Christianity is not about Christians, it's about Christ and us showing Christ to others, Christianity is about Christ, not about Christians. It doesn't mean that we're not comforted. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want what's best for us. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want us delivered, saved, healed, all of it. He does. But it's so that we can do what Christ did when he was walking on this earth. And one of the things that he did is he went to everyone, especially the people that no one else went to. The sinners, the prostitutes, the lame, the leper, he went to all of them and he loved them. Even if you look back in in Mark chapter, chapter one, the last couple of verses of Mark chapter one, a leper came up to Jesus and he fell at his knees and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This man risked his life to fall at the feet of Jesus because a leper, if he came within shouting distance of another human being, he was supposed to stop and yell, unclean! stay there until everyone passed by and then walk on because they were afraid of infection and what the good Jewish person was supposed to do if a leper broke that rule is to throw rocks at the leper till he's dead this man risked his life falls at Jesus knees falls on his knees at Jesus feet and it says "If, if you're willing you can make me well and Jesus it says reached out and touched him and then said I'm willing be clean and made him whole but notice what Jesus did he didn't go you're clean now come here give me a hug He touched him first. He loved him where he was. And then he took care of external and internal things. We're going to ask you, Community Reformed Church, to be a neighbor 500 times between now and June, the end of June. We have 2,300 people connected with this church in one way or another, children and all. Every one of us can do this, every one of us. Pastor Greg has done 500 since we came up with this. Every waitress, every person in his neighborhood, everyone he meets in an elevator in a hospital, he's a phenomenal evangelist. And he will go further than we're asking you to go. 500 times of saying to someone else, you matter. And if you're given the opportunity to say why you think they matter, it's because Jesus loves you dearly. Think about it this way. When my son, my son is home from Australia right now. He'll be home for another couple weeks. And then he's heading off, moving back to Denver with his cousin. And, and uh, but I remember when I saw him and I gave him a hug on Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. Um, he's a grown man. He's 25 years old and I am an old man. But I remember when he was little and, and, and you used to, you could, you could pick him up and you could hold his hands in one hand, you know, one hand like this and he's got his arm and you could walk around and he kind of like he's bouncing on the moon. And I remember, I didn't sweep the floor very often in the kitchen, but I remember one time I was, I was sweeping the floor because I had English muffins. I like English muffins, and I'd crumbled all over the floor, so I'm sweeping it up. And he goes, can I help? <sighs> it's going to take twice as long, and I'm going to have to do it again when he's not watching. <laughs> but he helped, and it, it was a disaster. But over time, we could finish that in the same amount of time. And then over time, we could finish it in half the time. And then I could step away, and by this time, he didn't want to sweep anymore, but he would be able to sweep all by himself. See, he asked if he could participate in daddy-sized work. And God's call on all of us is for us to participate in God-sized work. And God-sized work is pretty simple in this regard. Yes, you could preach a sermon on this hospitality of the the Samaritan. It's, It's inconvenient. It's dangerous. It's costly, and it's messy. But that's not what God is calling most of us to most of the time. He wants us to show others that God loves them, and you can do that in all kinds of ways. I'm going to give a couple of examples just in the last week or two from my own experience. Not again, not to lift myself up, but just it was this simple. Lynn and I were my half sister got married in uh, in Tampa, and so now I have a half brother in law. Uh, <clears throat> um, but just, I just ask God, give me your eyes to see what you're smiling at while we travel. And I don't like to travel. I don't like the crowds. I don't like being treated like cattle in the airplane when you're uh it's, it's awful. But we had a three hour layover in Baltimore. And so I just, Lord, show me what's going to make you smile. So I just want to have his eyes for his people that I don't know. And we're, Lynn and I are sitting in the Baltimore airport. We're in this little recessed gate area, and we're waiting for our flight. And I see, happened to be an African-American man, but an African-American man with his four-year-old boy and about two years old. I know he's about two years old because he still had the big diaper butt. You know what I mean? When he fell down and patted. Um, and I don't know how to do this um, without hurting myself, but the four-year-old had a case of the flimsies. You remember when you're a kid, guys, and you'd hold a parent, and you know you're doing this, and you're spinning around, and he's got you, and you know it, it, it was all This poor guy, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, a little. Ten feet in ten minutes they were walking, because he's got this one who's doing this, barely wobbling, and he got this one over here who's and he, and he and he got out of his dad's hand a couple times. I can't believe the guy didn't dislocate his shoulder how many times he had to go. But the kid fell once, got back up, and he could see dad. I, I, Actually, I put, I put myself in. I'm like, I'd be going. Oh. And then he slips out of his hand again. He falls down. He bonks his head. Not hard enough to really hurt him, but hard enough that he gets to cry. And I'm like, okay, here's the guy. And I'm sitting next to Lynn. I'm kind of giggling at it. Like, oh, God, I've been there. I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. And the dad, I see him. He, 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 he goes down, picks up the little one. And over here, comforts the one who bonked his head, picks him up, spoke to him, and the kid's crying and he's walking. Dad's just talking. It was glorious. And so he ends up down the gate area um, from here to maybe 104th Street out there. And I, and I mean, maybe not quite that far, but it's, it's, it's far. Away. And I'm looking. and I said, Lynn, I'll be right back. What? I'm going to go. Do... So I walk down the thing. Here's this guy. He's got his two kids. Wife is sitting there reading a book. So he's being a good dad. And I walk up to him. And picture this, though. You're in Baltimore area. And strange man you've never met. Happened to be white. Coming up to an African-American man. And this is the question I came up with to ask. Excuse me, sir. Are these your children? <laughs> so he he's a little defensive. It's like, yes. I said, I just want you to know. I just watched you walking down. I saw the flimsies and the whole, and I did the whole. And I said, I got to tell you, man, dad of the year. Um, that was that was awesome. The patience. You obviously you're a good dad. You love your kids. May God bless you. And I walked away. That's it. That's a simple act of kindness. And it's saying that he, I'm going to be a neighbor to this man. Do you think that when he got on the plane, I mean, his kids were looking like, why is dad talking to this strange guy? But his wife kind of lit up. His face kind of lit up. Do you think he got on the plane and he wanted to go, no, you settle down? No, I don't think so. I think that his heart was changed a little bit. He probably, maybe if he's like me, he was biting his tongue and he's like, I don't want all these people to think that I'm, but it's probably building up. And someone comes and notices and says, bless you for blessing them. Something changed in him. When we got on the plane on our way back, I got the exit row. Yes. And I had the seat that doesn't have a seat in front of it. Yes. Lynn's next to me in the middle. She always has to sit in the middle. And the, and the big guy comes in. I mean, not big like, like, like taking up two seats, but big shoulders. Obviously had been uh, uh, mili- in the military in, in his past. He's older than I am, and, um, but he sits down. That's the spot. He sits down. And we don't talk much during the flight. Lynn doesn't talk much to him. I don't talk much to him. But when it's coming to the end, he decides to ask some questions. And he starts talking politics, which is always wonderful when you're flying into the D.C. area. <laughs> you just know how that's going to go great. And I'm, I'm going to make an enemy here, you know. Uh, yeah, and you don't know where you're getting at. But uh, So we had a little conversation, and then, and then uh, he somehow, we, you know, what does he do or what did he do? And, and it's Veterans Day. And by the way, I wasn't here last week. All those of you who have served or have family members that have served and are serving, thank you. But so it came up that he had been in the military. In fact, he had been uh, special, special forces, and he was one of the people who was on the ground in Grenada back in the 80s um, to try to liberate Grenada. So we just had a chance to thank him and to bless him. And yeah, faith was brought up just a little bit. But do you think he left that plane thinking that his service had been in vain or that everyone's just against? No. Now, those are simple things. And every one of you can do it, whether you're three or whether you're 93. Every one of us can do this. And it's just as simple as saying, who can I be a neighbor to? Jesus, give me eyes to see people and situations the way you see them. Who would you bless? Lynn and I, on occasion, when we go to a restaurant, we'll decide before we go in there, let's look for someone to bless. It might be the hostess. might be the waitress. might be a family over there. It might be the couple that sits on the same side of the booth and doesn't talk the whole night and just looks straight ahead. Might be the couple who sits across from each other and all they do is this. It could be the waitress who brings the food and it wasn't right and you'd have to send it back. And... And she goes, yes, i would be happy to do it. And you just know you, she's had a bad day. And so what if you just said, it looks like you had a hard day. Is there anything I can, is there any way I can pray for you? Or you see someone, the family, who's like telling their kids, no, you can't have that. No, you can't have it because we can't afford it. And you just, you say, bring me their check and tell them it's taken care of. It could be simple stuff like that. It could be when you're driving down the road and you see that guy walking with a gas can. And yes, it's in the middle of January and you don't want, and you're in a hurry Stop, take them to the gas station, fill it up for them. There's all kinds of little things that you could do. Guys, if you're like me, you didn't get all your leaves up and the snow came. (sighs) My my snowblower is still a lawnmower. (laughs) But when it melts over the next couple of days and I get out there, if I see my neighbor, and I know it could be a little weird because guys, you're like, don't you work on my lawn. Um, But what if you saw, you looked around and what you're doing for yourself, you look around, how can I do this for others? Someone moves into your neighborhood, bring them a pie. It's not hard, but do you think that 2,300 people can do 500 acts of neighborly things in hospitality in the next seven or eight months? Of course we can. I think we should add a zero to it personally, but the goal is 500. And we've got a little spot. It's going to be up on the screen here in a minute. On the website, it's like a double tweet. It's like 480 characters that if you have this, if you see something and you do it, just tell us. We just want to celebrate with you how God is giving you eyes to see and giving you the heart to act to behave toward others the way He behaves toward you. It's that simple. But imagine if 2,300 people in Ottawa County, in Ottawa, Kent County, if Ottawa, Allegan, uh, Kent County, Muskegon, you name it, we've got people all over the place that are affiliated with this church. What what do you think could happen to Western Michigan if 2,300 people spend the next seven or eight months doing nothing but looking how they might bless someone else? You don't have to use words. You might get the opportunity, but preach Jesus. And when you have to, use words. But there are people that have no idea that God has a tender heart toward them. There are people that have no idea that he's already paid every price that needs to be paid, And that he is pursuing them so that he might bless them and give them everlasting life. And the only way, the first thing they might hear, the first thing they might know, the first way they might have some sense that there's grace in the world is someone who does not know them or shouldn't care about them decides to behave kindly toward them. It is simple. But we are absolutely convinced that the first challenge God wants this church to do as we move forward is to develop a heart and a vision for hospitality and being neighbors to others. Can we do this? Can we do this? Yes. Now I'm going I'm I'm to throw one more thing out there. I don't, I, I don't have any reason not to believe this, but I haven't. I don't have a word from the Lord on it or anything like that. But I, I am absolutely convinced that between now and the end of June, that at least one person who has kindness showed to them from someone in this church that there's going to be a cascade of events that go from kindness to grace to conviction to forgiveness to new life in Christ. Because someone started by going, you matter to me. And they, why do I matter to you? Because you matter to Christ. Whatever, however that might happen. But I'm absolutely convinced that God would not call us to be hospitable and be good neighbors to others if he didn't have plan to use it, not only for his glory, but for someone's salvation. We just had a huge event in this church, in this room, over the last two days. There were 1,100 women here for the Fresh Grounded Faith Conference. And there's a, so many people that were invited, so many people that showed up. And there were acts of hospitality all over the place. There's one, the brand new women's restroom over here. It was overflowing for over 10 minutes. And Alicia finally found out about it. And she shows up with a machine that's got, it can hold that much water and it filled it up. And when she walked in, she could have walked in and go, can't believe, can't people just not flush stuff down the, she didn't. She wasn't and she wasn't going, hey, but she walked in, she cleaned it up, she came out and said, what's next? And I saw our staff, I saw volunteers, I saw people treating other people as if they matter to Christ. Do you think people left here with a nasty, Picture in their, in, their, in their head about this church? Absolutely not. And in, in fact, because of the hospitality, because of friends inviting friends, six women who did not previously know Jesus know him today. And there are even more than that that, that gave their life to Christ for a fresh start. Folks, kindness, friendship, neighborliness, that's the key. That's the key to a world that Jesus reigns over. Last thing. Here's what I've been praying about this whole 1414 vision thing. I want over the next five to seven years, Western Michigan to grieve if Community Reformed Church went away. I'm not sure right now if many people would notice, because all of you would find a different place. But what is it that's particular, peculiar about this people of God? I hope that we're people who love other people, look for ways to be neighborly to other people and see God, see people the way God sees people. God, what's gonna make you smile? Not how do I help this person not be a sinner anymore? God, what's gonna make you smile? And then give me the idea to bless them in it. Will West Michigan grieve if God took Community Reformed Church, picked it up, and took us all to heaven? I hope so. But I want to know it. I want to know that this community is worse off without us because we're going to make it better by being here. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord, thank you for Jesus' words. Thank you for this parable. And thank you for the teacher of the law, who felt like he needed to ask, who is my neighbor? And Lord, thanks that you showed us all that the question isn't who is my neighbor, but who can I be a neighbor to? Lord, help this church and all these guests bless you by blessing others. Help them to eat with others, to learn who you are by their interactions with others, to listen to the Holy Spirit as he sends us out to be who you want us to be. We pray this for your glory in your name through your power. Amen. Look, you might might help somebody and they kind of poo-poo it. Help them anyway. You might do good to somebody and they might think you're doing good for ulterior motives. Do good anyway. You might bless someone and they don't even notice. Bless them anyway. Because that puts you in pretty good territory, puts you in pretty good company. Because Jesus came to help, to serve, to bless, to do good. And they rejected him. You may be rejected. But he won't reject you. And those people need to know God's heart for them. And the way he's going to show them his heart for them is through you blessing them in his name whether you use his name or not, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you. God smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.